Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country, but together right now, talk with family and friends about their favorite movies. Um, and today we have a special guest and a special movie. Um, do you want to introduce our kind of long topic, like what we're doing? So right now we're covering people's favorite childhood Christmas movies and holiday movies as we enter into the holiday season. So our first guest today will talk about one of the perennial Christmas favorites, um, which I think is also really important for people who grew up in Chicago in particular, as it was primarily filmed there. But we'll be talking about Home Alone, and our guest today is Aaron Muller. So Aaron Mueller. Can you, Mueller. <laughs> Aaron Mueller. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I can. So I am Aaron Mueller, just like just like Ferris Bueller. Um, and I am from Chicago, and I um, went to college with Anne, so that is how we became friends. And I'm sad that she's out in California right now, but um, excited for her and all that she's doing. So I don't know if there's anything else you need to know about me. I think those are the most important things. And I love Christmas. That's probably why I'm here. So <laughs> you really like Aaron, I'm not sure that I've ever met anyone who loves Christmas like quite as much as you do. I feel like you count down like all year round. I do. I do. I tweet. I love Twitter as well. I tweet on the 25th of every month telling everyone how many months are left until Christmas. And then I also call my grandparents on the 25th of every month and sing Here Comes Santa Claus to them and tell them, how many months are left until Christmas? And now we like try to, they try to call me first. I try to call them first. It's like a contest to see who can catch the other one earlier in the morning. <laughs> when did your obsession begin? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've always just been obsessed with it. I think growing up, I love, like I have a pretty big family. I love all my cousins. We've, we have, like I love family parties. And so obviously around the holidays, we would have a ton of family parties and that was amazing and fun. And we have a lot of traditions associated with Christmas. So maybe like as a kid, just like everybody loves that kind of stuff, right? Like the, everything to do with Christmas. It's just a fun time. But then as I've gotten older, I've appreciated the other parts of Christmas, like just the general spirit and how it's such a cozy time and everyone's in a good mood and you just want to make everyone happy by giving them not only gifts, but just like general cheer. <laughs> um, and I love the music. Christmas music, I think is just so um, heartwarming. So when I don't know. Start, when do you start listening to Christmas music? I start on October 17th every year. Um, Why October 17th? That is just a, <laughs> it's just a significant day um, or a significant number. The number, I feel like in my family, we always talk about how we always look at the clock at 1017. Like randomly, not always, but if I happen to look at the clock at a random time, it's half the time it's at 1017, either AM or PM. <laughs> Um, so it's just kind of like a weird number. I also love the number 17 in general. So in October seems like a good time to start the Christmas music. Your birthday is on February 17th, right? It is. Good job. <laughs> yes. Wow. My birthday is on February 17th, the same day as Michael Jordan. Oh. Okay. And do you, do you listen to Christmas music on your birthday, even though it's in February? I do not. I do not like to listen to Christmas music. That's the other thing is I don't like to do it all year round or any time before October 17th because that doesn't make it as special then. You know, like you need to, the reason it's special is because it's only a certain time of year. But I just like to expand that time of year to be a little longer than most people do. Right. 
Yeah, it is very funny that you're so specific, but I like it. I think that no, I think that you need to have like a start date for Christmas music because otherwise it will keep creeping up. You know, like you need to have a kind yeah. of definitive fence. I, on the other hand, am like a strict December first person. Like some people are like day after Thanksgiving, and I'm like no, 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 no. Like December first, twenty five days, and then we move on. So. <laughs> Well, to each his own. I can respect that. Right? I mean, I do love Christmas, but okay. So we do something called speed friending. So I'm going to ask you just a couple questions and answer as you will. You don't, you can take your time thinking about it, but they're like non, no pressure. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite day of the week? Hmm. Oh my gosh. I like so many days. (laughs) Um, probably Saturday. Yeah, especially in the fall. Especially in the fall, I like Saturday because of all the football. Oh, agreed. It's so fun. Yeah, Eleanor and I are potentially going to go to the USC game tomorrow. We're, like, volunteering at, like, the official Notre Dame tailgate here. Um, And we're, like, kind of banking on hoping for somebody being, like, we have two free tickets. (laughs) I feel like that's a good possibility. Yeah, I feel like it can happen. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I'm excited for you guys. Second question. What is your animated crush? Oh. um, I know. I have one. I have one. Um, Shoot. Oh, it could be. I was thinking. Okay. Um, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Why do you like Robin Hood? I also do realize he's an animal in the animated one but I think that's okay um I just really like him I think because he's you know robbing from the rich to feed the poor doing something good but he's he's got a lot of swag while he's doing it I would agree yeah I would agree it's so fascinating because I feel like most women and maybe this says something about us as people that might be a I'm definitely generalizing here but I feel like every woman I talk to has an animated crush like they and they can answer it like relatively quickly and like men haven't thought about it and I'm like but why <laughs> like maybe they're yeah. able to separate the like hand-drawn people from the real people in a way that we're not we all live in a fantasy world no just kidding no (laughs) no I agree with you I feel like well when you asked it I was like oh my gosh I have one because I've definitely thought about it talked about it before it just took me a couple seconds to bring it to memory um but that's a good point I'll have to try that experiment ask some male friends if they have animated crushes see what they say or maybe that's your in and like finding someone at a bar you know just walk around and be like oh hey What animated character do you wish was here right now? Yeah, and then when you tell the story to your children later about how you met, you can be like, it started with a question. <laughs> I'm into it. I'll try that. I'll get back to you. Yeah, that, that's how to find the man you're going to marry. Um, <laughs> okay, and then our last one. Um, Denzel Washington or Carrie Washington? Oh, man. I'm going to have to go with Denzel. I feel like... The remember the Titans factor just kind of takes the cake on anything, right? Yeah, I would agree. Remember the Titans is a really good movie. Like, a really yeah. good movie. It's like, I, I agree. It's, it's, a, it's one of those movies that, growing up, we loved, but also, so it has, like, that factor, but then also, it's a good film in general. You know what I mean? 
Um, yeah. There was like nostalgia associated to it, watching it, growing up, and loving it then. But it, it's a good movie, like you just said. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's a movie that you can watch over and over again, and it's like quotable. Like you can be like sunshine or whatever, but like <laughs> it still is actually good. Like the acting is well done, and uh, we're gonna have to do yeah. that movie. I we haven't done that movie yet. Oh my god, you should totally do that movie. You know who you should have on for that movie? You. It's Maggie's favorite movie of all time. Oh, I think. that's right. Okay. I'll, like, text her today and be like, yo, dude, you're doing Remember the Titans. <laughs> you don't have a choice. You're doing it. I think that's her favorite movie. Don't quote me. No, I think sure. so, too. From living with her senior year, I feel like we watched it several times, and I can't think of any other reasons we would have done that. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. So let's jump into Home Alone. Can you give us a brief synopsis of the film? Really brief. It can be, like, a haiku if you want it to be. Oh my gosh, I wish I had prepared a haiku, but I will give a brief prose synopsis. Um, It is about a family living in Chicago, which specifically kind of, I think like it's in Wilmette, the houses for sure. I don't know if that's where, if they ever say that, I don't think they do. But anyway, in Chicago, they're going to go to Paris to celebrate Christmas. And in a roundabout way, one of the children gets left behind and the family doesn't realize it until they're already on the plane on the way to Paris. And because the power is out and there's a lot of other complications happening, it takes the mother of the child a long time to get back home to him. So when he realizes his family is missing, at first he's happy, and then um, some would-be robbers try to break into his home, and he he spends the couple days that his family is gone staving them off. And it all takes place right around Christmas. Yes. Yes. That was a great synopsis. Okay, so let's talk about this movie. For you, do you remember the first time you saw it, or do you have any traditions about this film? Um, Is it one you watch every year? I definitely watch it every year. I do not remember the first time I saw it, honestly, no. But it's always the first movie that I, the first Christmas movie that I will watch when I start Christmas movie watching. So that's when. I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a specific date for that. It just has to be after probably October seventeenth. But um, it is always the first one that I that I will watch, and it is the first movie that I remember crying from. When did you cry during the movie? <laughs> At the very end, when there's like two endings to this movie, like when when the mom, like when Mrs. McAllister opens the door and Kevin realizes that someone's home, and then he runs downstairs but like doesn't see her right away. And then they turn around and see each other. And she's, like, so happy. And then she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then he just, like, forgives her and gives her a big hug. And it's, like, this big moment. And then also when Kevin looks out the window and sees the South Bend Shovel Slayer reuniting with his family, (laughs) that is another crying moment. I feel like those are two very heartwarming moments and are the culmination of the film. Is this a movie you prefer to watch by yourself in the Christmas season or with others? (laughs) I feel like I usually watch it by myself, but I don't necessarily (laughs) prefer that. It just kind of, it doesn't matter. I'm open to watching it with whoever would like to, but I feel like I end up, I feel like I end up watching movies like during the week before I go to bed or something. I just like put on, you know, a movie. So I'll end up doing it by myself. That's fair. So also Eleanor, as a context, I got dinner with Aaron and a couple other friends over the summer and we realized that Aaron had seen like 
zero movies, like no movies. <laughs> and so we sat there and made a list of what, 60 movies for you to see, Erin? <laughs> like, yes, like- yes, yes. It was, I know, and I've, I have the list on my phone. I mean, and these were movies that I should definitely have seen. I'm trying to think right. of some examples, but like, or like, like Bridget Jones Diary, not- You've Got Mail. Um, there were some Disney like movies too. I have it on my phone. Well, and so Cute. now I have the list on my phone and I will, like, it was a couple weeks ago I texted you and Aaron and Laura and yeah. was like, I just checked another one off the list. <laughs> um, so I, I do need to see more movies, but I watch the same movies over and over. That's my problem because I just love them so much. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of them. And that's what I love about you as a, as a human, Aaron. Like, I mean, I love so much about you as a human, but like your love of Christmas is like infectious. And for somebody who like, I'm kind of, I, I like, like the day of Christmas, but the Christmas season, I'm kind of like ambivalent about, like you make me so excited about Christmas. <laughs> oh my God. That's like my life goal. I'm so happy. Yeah. It's like the dream. So, okay. Let's talk about some of our favorite moments from this movie. Um, Granted, it's been a little bit of time since I've seen it, but like I remember, I watched it this year though. Have you seen it? Recently? Oh, good. Yes. Oh, good. Um, do you have a preference for this film over Home Alone Two: Lost in New York? I have actually only seen the second Home Alone maybe like thrice. I feel like I don't. What? It's definitely so in short. Definitely, this yeah. one would be over Home Alone Two. Yeah. Which is surprising to me because I do really love Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Um, we also liked Home Alone 3. It's true. Home Alone 4 is garbage. Yeah. Uh, well, because 3 and 4 don't have any really of the same cast, do they? They do not, but somehow 3 yeah. is still really entertaining. 3 is very okay. entertaining. Yeah, it's a good one. I feel like I have seen, I don't remember 3 or 4 at all, but I feel like I've seen those. I just, they don't have the same sticking power for me. Well, our commander-in-chief, actually, current, oh, that's true. he's in Home Alone 2. True, he does make a, an appearance there. He's a music <laughs> star, I know, as you're, like, walking through the hotel. Um, but kind of what I love about this movie, too, I mean, there's so much I love about this movie, but um, it's, like, it's so great because it's told from the perspective of a child, like, yeah. it's totally from Kevin's perspective. And I think that there are very few movies made generally that focus so intently on a child. You know? And, like, the child's experience. And the child's dilemma. And also the child taking such deliberate action um, for yeah. himself and protection of his family. Yeah, he has a lot of agency, Kevin McAllister. And I think that's why children loved it. Yeah. I also, that's a really good point about how it's, I, I love, he talks to himself so much in the movie and I think it's necessary to kind of move the story along and show what he's thinking, but even the way he's talking to himself is very endearing and it gets you on his, not that you wouldn't be on his side in any way, but you're on his team the whole time and you're rooting for him, um, but yeah, he's like a six-year-old boy or however old he is. I don't even know exactly how old he is, to be honest, but that is a really cool observation. It is a unique film in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the two, like, bumbling idiots of robbers. Yeah. Um, I know. They are pretty, pretty dumb. Um, He's pretty smart, too, though. Like, when, at one point in the movie, the first time they try to get in the house, 
they go like down the basement, like the back door basement steps and they're like knocking on the door and Kevin like hears them and is like, oh, what's happening? So he quickly like turns on the light in the basement. So they think they're like, oh, they think someone's home then, Um, which was like really smart and really quick thinking of him to do to realize like this isn't right and I'm just going to try this before I engage them in any other way and see if they leave. And they do leave. They obviously end up coming back. But um, (laughs) yeah, he's because and they're not they're not very bright. I know. I don't know if you saw that um, Bridget and Rob dressed up as them for Halloween, our friends. I I saw it. It was so funny. I'll have to show you the picture. They were Marvin. What's the other guy's name? Harry. Yeah. Marvin Harry. Yeah. I mean, but they're just as iconic. My point in saying that is everybody knew who they were. Like, ever, oh, my God, the Home Alone guys. Like, they're just as iconic and obviously essential to the film as is Kevin McAllister. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Which I love. No, same. I mean, and, okay, so I what I also love about this movie is it's very quotable. Like, around Christmas time, I feel like you just hear people shouting out, like, random quotes from this movie. Like, um... Buzz's girlfriend. And then yes. is okay, what are some of the other ones that I I like there's so many I mean there's so many good ones. I like when they're talking about how Fuller Fuller, who is actually played by McCall so Fuller is like the little cousin of Kevin who he's supposed to share a room with that night before they're supposed oh, to take yeah. off. And he's actually played by Macaulay Culkin's younger brother, which I think is funny. Um Kieran Culkin is in Fuller the Pride. Yes. Yes. And yes. And so they're, he's like drinking Pepsi. He's like a bedwetter. And so he's drinking Pepsi before, at dinner and everyone's like, Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi. Because- <laughs> and so there's actually a lot of product placement in this movie as well. If you think about it in terms of like Domino's. early 90s. Yeah. Domino's plays a big part. Pepsi. Because you even think about how Pepsi is the operative word in that catchphrase. Yes, yeah. exactly. Totally. I also think another... So Junior Mints, if you when Kevin opens up the Buzz's like trunk, he's like going through Buzz's private stuff. I think he says like Buzz, I'm going through all your private stuff. You better come out and stop me. Whatever. He opens up the trunk, and there's a couple of boxes of Junior Mints in the trunk. And Junior Mints always make me think of Seinfeld because I don't know if you guys are familiar with Seinfeld, but there's no. okay. Well, there's an episode of Seinfeld where Junior Mints play a pretty big role. And anyway, in that episode of Seinfeld called the Junior Mint. George is one of the characters in Seinfeld watches Home Alone during the episode. And so it's like a connection to two of my favorite Home Alone and Seinfeld are two of my favorite movies and TV shows of all time. So again, I feel like there is a lot of product placement and that's a big one for me as a Seinfeld fan. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, the products that are that you see in that movie. And I guess it's not Domino's, it was Little Caesars. Little it was called Little, Little Nero's, Caesar. but yeah, it was like supposed to be Little Caesar. It was like, yeah, it was supposed to be Little Caesars. Um, yeah. There's also a lot of Chicago paraphernalia. Like there's that Michael Jordan, um, I don't know what you call it, like not a fat head, but it's like a cutout of his body that Kevin uses. Oh, it's in Buzz's yeah. room, but like Kevin uses it during the party, the fake party. Um, and then there's a lot of like Bears paraphernalia. There's some Cubs stuff. There's like the Chicago flag, um, which is uh, to your point in the beginning, Eleanor, I think about it being a Chicago, a very Chicago-centric film, important for people from Chicago. You definitely see references to that all over the movie. As are all of John Hughes' films, so that's important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what's, what's interesting, is a very Chicago movie, but it stays in the Chicago suburbs. Like, they don't go into the city at all, you know? 
Right. No, for sure. You're right. Yeah. I mean, we can drive by that home alone house pretty easily um, if we're ever in the burbs. But oh not- my gosh, Eric, can you do that when I'm home for Christmas? <laughs> oh my God, we definitely can. <laughs> I would yes. love to. I would love to. I love, and the church is right there too. Mm-hmm. Yes, the church is beautiful. I know. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie when they're in the, that church. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, I think what makes this movie kind of magical is it is, as you said, it's like heartwarming and, and it has like some really clear themes and messages, but it is still funny and like there's jokes for kind of every age of person, right? Like, yeah. yeah. You have like the, the mom's like trope with John Candy and mm-hmm. the yes. polka people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the polka king of Chicago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best parts of the movie because she finally, when she's in the airport trying to get a flight back to Chicago and he overhears her talking. Um, and then he finally is like, we can give you a ride. And it's like kind of the first time that she's sort of like, she's certainly caught breaks along the way, I guess, but not in an, it hasn't come easy for her to get back to America. Um, it was complicated and trying to get flights was terrible. And he's like, oh, we'll give you a ride. And you can just see the relief on her face. And she's like happy and ex- she's like, thank you so much. And then they have this, you know, wonderful ride home and stuff. Um, that's one of the best parts of the movie for me is when she finally like sees some hope that she's going to get home and, um, soon and someone helps her out yeah yeah it's true and john candy is very endearing in this film he improvised the entire his entire they filmed his all of his scenes in one day and he improvised all of his lines no way yeah like that story he tells about like his i forget what i think it might be his son i don't know they leave him at a funeral parlor all day next to the corpse accidentally because he's trying to make mrs McAllister feel better that she left her kid at home and he's like oh well he was you know this happened to my i think it's his son i i'm embarrassed that i don't remember but um he's like you know he sat next to this corpse all day and he obviously was affected by that but after six or seven weeks he bounced back like it was (laughs) like he 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 improvised that whole story and a lot of his lines i don't know if maybe not every single i'm sure there was general direction of like what he should be saying but he improvised right. everything. Because there was a lot of trust between John Hughes and John Candy also. And with Catherine O'Hara's background in comedy, that was very comfortable. Because she was involved with, um, shoot, I'm blanking on the name, but the Second City of Toronto. Maybe it was actually called it Second, is Second City. City. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Is she- John Candy, was he in Second City as well? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Um... I think people forget because of Home Alone that Catherine O'Hara, because she plays so maternal, she's not particularly funny in this role. No. But she, <laughs> she is like a comedian through and through. Really? What other movies is she in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like a, she's in a lot of the stuff with um, like A Mighty Wind and a lot of the mockumentaries. Oh, yes, she is. But her background is in comedy. Interesting. I didn't know that, honestly, that... Because I think this might be the only, un, not surprisingly, I haven't seen any other movies that she's in. Um, so I didn't know that. That's that's really good to know. Yeah. I mean, she's, I'm thinking about A Mighty Wind. She's funny in that. Oh, and she's in the movie Penelope. You probably haven't seen Penelope, but it's a good movie and you should see Penelope. <laughs> should I add it to the list? I have not seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. You should add Penelope to the list. It's a good one. <laughs> okay. It's about a girl who has a nose that is a pig's nose. Oh, oh, I, yeah, that sounds like a good plot. I will add that to the list. 
<laughs> well, and speaking of the different people that worked on this film, I mean, obviously John Hughes and then Chris Columbus and John Williams. Like, I just, yeah. I, I think people f- sometimes, I don't forget that, but I don't know if that's, obviously <laughs> the movie is so good on its own, but I don't think it would be, without that music, it would not be what it is, I don't think, without the John Williams original score. So, Erin, last year I went to the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and they played the score while we watched the movie. Um, and it was magical and you should go. It was like such a wonderful experience and a great way to like get ready for Christmas. I know. I think we, we did talk about that last year and I, and I was, I, I would, that would be something totally up my alley. I mean, he is, was it just a Home Alone thing or was it all of his movie scores? It was just um, Home Alone and you watched the whole movie. Oh my God, that's like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so great. And it's so cute to see like there's there's literally people of all ages like you have really little kids who are going um all the way up until like grandparents, you know, and it's just like yeah. so sweet. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to put that on my holiday agenda. Yes. That and like all the other Chicago. Chicago really does Christmas very well, actually, now that I think of it. Like all the bars with all of their lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, obviously, I think I'm biased growing up here. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's home for Christmas for me and, I mean, for you guys, right. too. So, I feel like that's part of the, I don't know if I've ever spent Christmas in a different, I mean, I've been in other cities at Christmas time, I'm sure, but not a lot. How does LA do the Christmas spirit? I guess you haven't been out there yet for the full season. No, Eleanor has. I have. I mean, the best part, I would say, is that we have bubbles snow. Um, so you'll be okay. in a place and then bubbles will fall from the sky, like specifically engineered to look like snow. And I think that's oh my really God. important. Um, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. We took awesome. a family Christmas card there, like a couple of Thanksgivings ago. Um, and it was hilarious because all of a sudden you're like, you're in this mall and it's like the Grove is this mall, Aaron, where like all of the stars go. Mm, yes, I've seen David Spade there a time or two. Why? Oh my god! No, I mean like I've seen him on Instagram post about being there. So, I've not seen him. Okay, there. this <laughs> is something you need to know about Erin. She's like obsessed with David Spade. <laughs> like Erin, do you want to explain your obsession? I mean, you can. I don't want to take up valuable time of this Home Alone podcast, but you can certainly share it. I'm. That's yes, we can talk about it if you want. <laughs> David Spade, you follow him on Instagram, and he geotags himself at the Grove? That's a good synopsis. He walks around, he walks around the Grove a lot, and he'll talk about how he's at the Grove. Um, so if you ever go to the Grove, keep an eye out. He's there. You'll we have got, to come visit. Yeah, Erin, you need to come visit Eleanor and I, and then we can take you to the Grove. Um, <laughs> we so can go David Spade searching. So Erin, like, frequently looks up pictures of David Spade on Google Images. <laughs> she saves them on her computer I have a couple funny photos on my phone let's be clear that I think are hilarious that I will that I like that everyone else is like this is disgusting I think that they're great photos and so I will occasionally send them to people randomly just because do you like young David Spade or old David Spade better like just shoot me or Um, grown up well, I feel like I, um, I like, I think I like him at both times. I, I didn't, when he was young, I obviously wasn't really even like around, um, or alive or aware of him. I, I didn't really become aware. I didn't really like start really liking David Spade until like last fall. It's been like a year that I've like 
realized that, like, if I could have dinner with three celebrities, he'd probably be one of them. So... (laughs) I feel like you can make that one happen. That's what everyone says. That's what... what, I think that's what Erin said a lot. She's like, this is attainable. This is, like, not... You should... Like, you could make this happen if you really wanted to. Like, this is not one of the people that you should have on, like, your ultimate list because it's very... He's probably willing to have dinner with a fan. (laughs) With a mega fan. You saw him do a comedy show, right? Yeah, I dragged everyone out to Schomburg to watch him do a stand-up show. And they were, like, it was, they were so nice, like, we, to, like, Bridget, Laura, Maggie came, and we um, hung out after the show. We were, like, waiting for him, like, trying to get a picture. Like, we got there super early so we could get a, a good seat. Um, everyone was a trooper to, like, trek out to Schomburg and um, see David Spade. I think he did a pretty good job. I think he's pretty funny. I mean, he's, like, a pretty well-known comedian obviously he's been around for a while he was on Saturday Night Live um he's been in a lot of like the Adam Sandler movies and his own movies like Tommy Boy actually fun fact so David Spade and Chris Farley were like best friends obviously and Chris Farley wanted to play Santa in Home Alone like the when Kevin goes to visit Santa oh Chris Farley wanted to play that character I mean he's only in the movie for like two minutes that Santa but Chris Farley wanted to play him interesting I yeah. like how David Spade found his way back to Home Alone. Home Alone always. Well, yes, guys. David Spade is just a universal. He can be brought into or out of any conversation. Perfect. Erin, <laughs> what is your ultimate favorite part of this movie? My ultimate favorite part? Because I assume that there are different levels of favorites for yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to, like, it's hard to... Any, it's hard for anything to trump those like that dual ending aspect that I was talking about earlier where like there's the reconciliation between Kevin and his mom or the reconciliation meaning like the end of the problem like they come home they're reunited the whole family comes in the door whatever and then there's like the, re- the true reconciliation between the South Bend Shovel Slayer and his family so that's definitely up there but I also just love the exchange between I think my favorite part is probably the exchange between Kevin and I think his name is Old Man Marley, which is actually a reference to the Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol. They called him that. To, they wanted him to seem like a Scroogey character. Anyway, um, their exchange in the church when finally the um, Old Man Marley comes over and is like, you know, you don't have to be afraid of me. You can say hi. Um, and they talk. And Kevin's like, why are you here? And he's like, I want to see my granddaughter sing. And I can't come back later. And Kevin says, well, why not? And he goes into the detail about how him and his son had a big falling out and Kevin's so innocent in the way he's like well why don't you just call him and the old man's like well what if he doesn't answer and Kevin goes well then at least you'll know and you can stop worrying about it like it's so simple again to like the eyes of the child and that you were talking about earlier Kevin has such a simple outlook on what's probably a pretty complicated situation for this man and his son but it ultimately ends in the man obviously deciding to reach out to his son since they reunite on Christmas morning so I think that exchange in the church is just probably my ultimate favorite part. And the music in the background that they sing during that part, the soundtrack to this movie is awesome. But during that exchange in the church, you hear O Holy Night, you hear Star of Bethlehem, and then Carol of the Bells. And those are just, and it's a choir, and it, it's just so beautiful. And the church is beautiful, as we talked about earlier. So that's my favorite part of the film, for sure. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I do think it goes, like, it, it kind of shows the power of a child again to just be, like, to be that simple um, and be, like, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Like, if you love someone, you love someone. And I feel like as adults, right. like, even I am, like, 
dating relationships. It's like we're all scared of showing how much we care, but like it could really just be simple, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. He says that at one point. He's like, I don't care how mad I was. I would talk to my dad on Christmas or whatever. Like he's, you know, right. you're always gonna love him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, humans. Okay. Well, we should probably start wrapping Thinking up. Thinking towards the legacy. Yes. So why don't we think about and talk about the legacy of this film in your eyes? Yes. Um, so the one interesting thing about, or that not the one interesting thing, but obviously this movie would be different in terms of believability if cell phones were around, I think. Um, yes. So that's, that's like the only part I think that makes it like harder for maybe future generations of kids to get their minds around. Like, well, why doesn't they just text him and find out if he's okay? Or like, even when the power goes out and the alarm clocks don't go off because the clocks stop, um, and that's the reason they're late for the plane, and that's the reason this whole thing even happens. If you had a cell phone, obviously, yeah, your phone could die in the middle of the night, but if it's decently charged, when the power goes out, your phone doesn't, not, the alarm would still go off, none of this would have happened. So that's right. one thing that I feel like people would have a hard time, like kids maybe, but even that, if you can suspend that, the themes of the movie are certainly eternal, I think. Like the whole fa- you know you're it's a family and the family fights and you get mad at people but ultimately Kevin realizes at several points throughout the film oh my gosh I really miss my family I took them for granted I want them back like his wish for Santa is I don't want any presents I just want my family back that's something that would last forever also as a parent to watch this film no matter when you watch it no matter what time period if your child is home alone and you're across the world literally and can't get in touch with them um, that would be probably your worst nightmare, I would think. So that would last forever. I think, so I guess in summary, I think the film has a lot of staying power. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think too, for people of like our generation who, what, we're millennials. Yeah, are millennials. I'm a millennial. Yeah, I um, guess so. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in this movie. So like, I don't think people our age are going to let this movie go anytime soon. Um, so it will be one of those movies, kind of like Generations Before, like White Christmas or um, It's a Wonderful Life, where it's like these movies mean a lot to us because we watch them every year and we quote them and we like there's this common um, kind of social acceptance around knowing about this movie, right? Like you can stay home alone and you expect the people around you to like know what you're talking about. So I yeah. feel like as we get older and, like, get married and have kids, like, people our age are going to force their children to watch this movie. So it'll be, yeah. like, a family legacies will be up in there. Held. Yeah, I can't – and when this movie came out, it was the high – it set the record for a while of, like, the highest grossing comedy, I think, until, like, The Hangover Part 2 maybe overtook it. Until actually like, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Oh. Oh. So maybe the, fr- maybe the franchise, I'm sorry, like set the record or something. But it was like a really, because obviously I think it came out in 19, early 90s. Was it 1990? Yeah, I think it was definitely early 90s. I should pull it up. I think 1990. Yeah, it was 1990. Yeah. And I just love that a movie that we love now, I mean, I guess that's not surprising, right? Like it was popular then. So that's why it kind of stayed, it stayed popular all throughout our lives too. But it was like a box office hit, and it has like that nostalgia factor for us. Um, so I think it will stay around for a long time, and because pe- to your point, and because people will have their kids watch it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We're looking at its IMDb page, and it only has seven point five stars out of ten. People get it. 
That's not, that's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta go in, flood the IMDb page. Everybody five stars. Yeah, Yeah. it it really has a great cast, too. Um, Like, actually good act, you know, like, sometimes for, like, children's Christmas movies, I feel like they get, like, a B-level cast. But they mm-hmm. really did, like, I feel like John, well, it was John Hughes, so he kind of had that. He was a screenwriter. He, yes, but he had, um, and Christopher Columbus and, like, John Williams, these kind of, like, big names that were attached to the film, I would imagine probably drew some of, like, the big name cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, okay. yeah, because, yeah, especially, I think John Hughes probably, true to your point, was able to get a lot of people. Right, at that time, everything he touched was, like, gold. Still is. Is he still producing? No, I'm saying, like, those movies still stand the oh. test of time. I'm sorry. No, no. John Hughes is no. dead? He died in 2009. Oh. No. oh. Yeah, I was saying his movies are still good and relevant and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lovely. Okay, so, Erin, we should probably start wrapping up. Um, okay. Why don't we talk about our – because we kind of touched this – yeah. Why don't we talk about our pop culture highlight from the week? Do you have a favorite pop culture moment? I know for me, I'm going to go on out on a limb and say it's something I haven't even fully seen yet. But oh, the stop. instant family trailer I really love and I cannot wait to see. Erin, have you okay. heard of- Well so I think I I think you cut out we were saying the pop the pop culture thing. Is that what we we're talking yes. about? Okay, awesome. Um I wanna see instant family too, Eleanor. I feel like that looks like a really good movie. Um, Mark Wahlberg, yeah. So I that's a good one. I haven't seen the trailer. I didn't see it. So Eleanor showed it to me, and I was like, yeah, this looks good, but I didn't know it was, like, an actual movie. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I think, because that came out, I think, last week, maybe? I, yeah. I also want to see, this isn't my favorite pop culture moment of the week, but I want to see the second, um, fantas- or the Crimes of Grindelwald, um, the Fantastic Beasts movie. I haven't seen that yet, but... I think my favorite pop culture thing that happened was the Office reunion on Saturday Night Live. Did you guys see that? No, but I heard about it. Steve Carell was hosting Saturday Night Live, and he was during his like opening monologue. Basically, like they fabricated this audience like Q and A session, or not even fabricated it. This random person stood up and asked a question, and then Jenna Fisher, Ellie Kemper, and Ed Helms all stood up and asked Steve Carell questions. And all came on stage, and they made it seem like they were going to announce this Office reboot. And they didn't. But I'm hoping that that means that they, they will sometime in the future. Like, they're getting the hype up for it. Oh, good. Well, hopefully. I would love that. I'm re-watching The Office right now as I, like, write papers. I have it on. And I don't even look at it because I can't see two tabs at once. But um, <laughs> I do listen to it. Um, well, so, okay, my pop culture thing of the week I think is Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. I've been really feeling that. I I like it. You're learning a lot. I'm learning a lot, just like Ariana. I'm learning from the people from my past. Can you chop your hair off into a really cute bob? Yeah, I, today. We yeah, can, do it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, why not? I don't, yeah. I mean, I like, I yeah, I'm feeling that. Yeah. I haven't listened to that song yet, honestly, but I should give it a whirl. You should. It's pretty good. I mean, and she's been through a lot, Ariana. So we just, she just needs our support. <laughs> yeah, she does. She has been through a lot. Yeah. She's been engaged and then not engaged. And 
I know she's had a year. I don't. I I forget when that Manchester. When was that? Like a couple. Like last year. Or was it this past calendar year? That I think it, it was happened? March two thousand eighteen. Okay, so it was within this last year. Yeah, but then she broke up with Mac Miller in the spring. Oh, and then he committed suicide. I forgot that aspect. They're not sure. Yeah, it could have just been an accidental drug overdose. Oh, I would like that for Ariana. I'd like okay. them because that must weigh on her. Yeah. I heard that was a deciding factor between her and Pete. I didn't follow, but I have a friend at Stanford who was, like, real into the Pete and Ariana relationship. <laughs> like, updated me every day. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I don't care that much. But, okay. Erin, thank but you so, so much for taking time out of your holiday to chat with us. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited. I would talk about Home Alone to anyone and everyone who ever would listen to me talk about it. So I'm glad that you gave me a platform to do that. <laughs> I think starting after October 17th, 2019, we'll have to have you on to talk about a different <laughs> holiday movie. I know. We do you like Sounds do you like, like do you like Christmas like Hallmark movies? Or are you not into them? No, so I don't do like the home I I should I probably feel like I would like the Hallmark channel. Like I know Lori Laughlin's all over Hallmark and I think um a couple of the other Full House cast members have made a parent, uh, among other actors, but I feel like <laughs> I would like Hallmark because I know they're on it, and I think it's probably a lot of heartwarming stuff. Maybe I should get, maybe that's my goal between now and October 17th, 2019, is to find a good Hallmark Christmas movie that I could talk about. Oh, Netflix has some good ones. We're, like, okay. particularly excited about watching the new one this year, which stars Vanessa Hudgens, and it's called The Princess Switch. I've seen trailers for that. Maybe I'll watch that, too. I know. We're going to watch it. Yeah, we're okay. excited. Well, anyway, Erin, have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. It was so lovely to chat with you guys, and I hope you get to go to the game tomorrow. I was telling her, I was like, if we find two free tickets, like, we'll go. Otherwise, we'll <laughs> go to the movies, likely. Otherwise, we'll go see Instant Family. <laughs> Another good option. So, either way, it's a win. <laughs>